it's all about fullness. You know, it's all about fullness. I, I think that, look, we live in a world that's broken, right? And there's a lot of problems out there. And if we, the first thing that we've got to do as men is realize it's our job to push evil back. Okay. Mm-hmm. And all it takes for evil to advance is for good men to do nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith. It is a journey that you must go on. It is a journey that you cannot apt out of, opt out of, out, apt out, apt out. Hey, I'm still uh, recovering from uh, Israel time lag, changes, huh? uh, but uh, it is something that you have to go through. You have to mm-hmm. deal with your faith in one way or another, and you're either growing or you're shrinking, and we want to be part of your growth plan. We want to be here to help encourage you, challenge you, and help you um, really dive deep into what your faith is and what it means mm-hmm. for you. Cause you are a critical thinker. You need to think through it and you need to know what you believe and why you believe, why you believe it. it. Cause that's ultimately one of the most important things about you. My name is mm-hmm. Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, but we cannot do the salty pastor podcast without the salty pastor himself, <laughs> Dr. Douglas peak. Yeah. Welcome everybody. I just really, you know, people are always saying, Hey, you need to take responsibility for yourself. And that's how you have a sense of meaning and value and purpose and you can move forward and so forth forth and so forth. And when, when you basically say, oh, okay, this is my faith. I want to do the work. That's really the point of taking responsibility. Mm. You know, that's really what it is. So when we say it, life is too short to be shallow, fluff is not enough. We're just saying is that you're going to go through life and there are going to be ups and downs, a lot of difficulties and a lot of challenges you have to face. If you don't have a foundation, if you don't have a a set of core beliefs, and particularly for men, if you don't have non-negotiables, then you'll be what is called a lost man because you'll be pushed here and there by every wind, every wave in the world. And you get to the end, you just feel beat up in mm. your life. You don't feel like you've really rode anywhere, gone anywhere, seen anything, done anything. So particularly for guys, but I would say for everybody, it's really important to know what you believe and why you believe it, because that gives you a foundation. It gives you a frame of reference in order to understand all the difficulties and sufferings of life that you face and how to overcome them. Absolutely. And I really, let's just break it down. We've been in this series. We're in our final week of the series Desperado, right? Mm-hmm. A men, uh, a series focused on men, on how men are trying to do everything on their own. And that is not what they're called to do, how they're trying to live a masculinity that is not authentic. And you've really called them out between you and Zach. <laughs> you've called men out. And what kind of impact have you seen from this series on the men in our church and the people you've talked to, Pastor? Well, I, I think it's really important that I, what my goal is to help men understand what they're going through. I don't think standing up and, you know, bashing men over the head saying, oh, you're just an immature brat and you need to grow up, blah, 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 blah. Because, you know, women tell them that all day long and that after a while they just kind of get impervious to it. What I want men to understand is why they have a desire to just go it alone. Why, why is it easier for me to just do my own thing and not be connected to other men or in a family or whatever? Uh, a lot of times it's because they've been hurt, right? Is It's just too painful. And so I want men to understand that there's a bigger agenda there. There's a, uh, a God of this world. There's a kingdom of this world and it has an agenda and its agenda is to isolate you. It is against you. And what it's really against is 
is not so much uh, your happiness in life or your joy in life or your purpose in life, even though it is. That's not its main goal. Its main goal is to get you to not pursue authentic masculinity. In other words, deep down, the, the God of this world does not ever want you to answer the question in the affirmative, am I a man? Mm. You know, he doesn't want that. And the reason why is because out of that flows all of these other things. You know, over the years, we've talked about on this podcast numerous times, upstream ideas. And that is, is that if you want the, you know, we live in the downstream, right? And if we want to live in the downstream and have a great downstream, it, it helps if you go upstream to the original core values that causes the currents in your life. And so if you answer the question in the affirmative, yes, I am a man. Yes, I am enough. I know why I'm here. I know where I'm going. Then what happens is that creates a current in your life. And then that current, what it does is instead of, uh, you swimming upstream to do righteousness and to live the harvest of righteous living, it, it flows you in that direction. If you don't have the upstream solved, if you don't have those core values clarified, if you can't answer that in the affirmative, then your downstream current is against you. So it's 10 times harder to do the right thing. And most importantly is you don't reap any of the benefits of doing the right thing. Like for instance, uh, working hard, being responsible, applying your skill sets, sharpening your skills. Uh, I think those things are really significant. So the goal that I think of this series, and I believe it's been doing that, the impact has been to help men understand what society is attempting to do to them. And if they want to be able to walk in the fullness of meaning and purpose and joy and all that kind of stuff, they're going to have to swim against the current, right? They're going to have to rebel against the values of this world in order to discover their true selves. Well, it's almost, I, I, to take this analogy a little bit different direction, you tell me if I'm right or wrong in this, it's almost like there's blockages. When you have blockages in a stream, it restricts the amount of water that can yeah. flow downstream, right? Yes. And the world is really good because, I mean, natural blockages occur when animals are, you know, beavers are building little dams or crap's getting thrown in the stream blockages happen in a stream right yes and so it restricts the amount of water that's able to outflow and you have to live a lot more pressure upstream in order to get as much water as you would normally get right mm -hmm. and so the world is really good at throwing these blockages in yeah. the stream of men right mm -hmm. and what masculinity is and all you're doing is really helping reveal hey you've got a blockage Take some time, get rid of it, and you're going to start seeing more water. You're going to see yeah. more outflow. Mm -hmm. You're going to see more blessing from the things you are doing because you're not having to work so hard to get through the blockages to see the 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 benefits, yes. right? Yes. And so, um, those well, and one of those blockages that I think is really important to understand is this, is that one of the most important decisions that a man will make, it has the greatest influence on his happiness, the greatest influence on his success in life, uh, his sense of, uh, uh, of accomplishment. And that is the woman he chooses to marry mm. it has a huge impact on him, massive impact on it. And so what happens is we live in a society that has totally changed the whole point of sex and sexuality. And so what you see is you see a lot of guys picking women that they shouldn't pick. Mm. Okay. And, and the reason why is because, uh, I know that this is salty, but when you're young and you're not walking with God, you're 
women know that you're making your decisions based on sex. So they uh, increase their sexuality with you in order to get you to choose them. Mm -hmm. And so they're using your sexual drive against you to get what they want. And uh, it's not until four or five years later that you realize, oh my goodness, I was manipulated and we, we have nothing in common and this is a clash. Well, this and person. both of you will probably have that realization that, exactly. oh, this was not, she, she made choices because she thought this is who she needed to be with. Cause again, the world's telling right. her, this is how you do it. This is what you yeah. should be. You want to be chosen. For. This is who you should be quote unquote looking Correct. for. And again, it's not authentic biblical covenantal relationship. It's based on the world's values, right? Yeah. Which is the whole point of, you know, it's there's an entire chapter in Proverbs 31 all about how you should be selecting your life mate. And a lot of it is don't do it the way the world's going to tell <laughs> yeah, you to right. do it. Right? Yeah. You got to look for all these character traits and you know, it's just hard to, when, when a guy is in his early twenties, you know, I mean, it's hard to, to, unless he's been trained and raised and, and inculcated with values, uh, it, it, it's hard to overcome the power and influence of that sex drive. And, and that, that leads me to the second biggest blockage that guys have is that, and, and this is what pastor Harv, uh, I've asked him to preach on this Sunday is the whole notion of, um, men, the, 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 uh, kind of the, the culture of men, the ethos of men, the band of brothers of men, the, that whole notion of, I, I don't just have friends, I'm around men and you really need men. Now on a Tuesday uh, podcast, we talked about how this is a theme all throughout scripture. Mm -hmm. And then we talked specifically about David who had just slain Goliath, right? He's still pretty young. He doesn't know anything. And he goes to the palace to live in the palace there. He leaves home, goes there. And now he is best friends with Jonathan, who's grown up in the palace, right? And understands, but they both share a challenge. And that is, you know, an issue with their father. Uh, for David, his father overlooked him because he was the runt of the litter, so to speak, the last one, right? right? Uh, Jonathan's father was kind of crazy. You yeah. know, and so they both had these issues, but they bonded together. And what it did is, is it was that friendship that ultimately helped David understand how to become the leader in the king he was meant to become. And I, I think that's really important is that a lot of guys don't first, for, there's two things I want to say about this. Number one is a lot of guys don't have friends, right? right? They don't have a lot of friends. They have a lot of guys they work with. You know, but the question you have to ask yourself is, is this a guy I would hang out with if I didn't do business with him or work with him? Right. right. Is this the kind of guy that I would just hang out with because they inspire me and sharpen me and encourage me. Right. The other thing is, so, so you've got to have friends. And then what's really interesting is most boys when they're teenagers and they're in college pick the wrong friends. Yeah. You know, they, they just, it's like, well, I'll hang out with whoever accepts me. And oftentimes the people who accept you are not the best people for you to be hanging around. Right. Right. Um, you, you know, it's really interesting is that, uh, 
I remember when I got a job in college, I started working for a construction crew and I got there on the first day and there was this one kid that was really out, kind of outgoing, you know, but he's kind of coarse and, you know, he made fun of people and blah, blah, blah. And he tries to latch on all the new guys when they showed up, he tried to latch on to me. And I was in college at this point, not had some guys that weren't great friends and his, his personality kind of rubbed me a little bit wrong. So I wasn't I mean, I was cordial to him and nice to him. But you weren't inclined to. I wasn't uh, inclined to, like, be his best buddy, you know? Right. And uh, he was kind of negative. And, and I, I hung out. I, I started, you know, spending time, you know, because you have lunch breaks and stuff. I, uh, there was this other guy who was a, lot, a little bit more quiet, you know? But he'd been on the crew longer than anybody else. Mm. And when the boss showed up, and the supervisor showed up and said, hey, what's going on? Everybody would say this, 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 and this. And then he'd ask this guy's opinion and they'd do whatever that guy wanted. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so what I did is, and he was like, yeah, that guy, he's just a mouth, you know? And so, so the thing is, is that it's really important when you're young to pick your friends well, because my tenure there could have been real short and miserable if I had hung out with the wrong guy, right? Um, because he initially was a guy that I thought accepted me, but... Mm, he wasn't he turned out not to be a good guy well and is that not just the way of the world anyways is the ones that look cool and they they yeah. they're seemingly the attractive one that's going to be the way to like be accepted and in your way in they tend to not also drop you for one as quickly as they accept you and two they're typically not the greatest influence on you right yeah it's, and your friends it, are critical your friend male friendships are critical to discovering experiencing and living in masculinity right right it's critical you got to have men that can say these are really the most important things in life these are the things you're really working for this is what this is what keeps you on track and so those friendships are critical to your success and it's in the kingdom of God. It's exactly the same way is you've got to have guys that are good for you, that are encouraging you. They accept you, but they're also good enough friends to say, you know, don't, don't be doing that They're And they're not encouraging you to go do things, spend time, invest time in things that aren't healthy for you. And for instance, if you're married and your buddies are always wanting you to go out, you know, to the golf course and get drunk and party, that's, that's not good for your marriage. It's not good for your family. Right. And so you want to be around guys that know how to have fun, know how to great, have a great time, but they're also not trying to relive their fraternity brother days when they're in their late thirties. Right. Right. Well, and I, I, I see that in most of the men I respect most in my life, they don't tend to be the most outspoken rowdy guys. They tend to be a little more quiet, but that's because I would almost say that they take time to consider more than just bluster around and, mm -hmm. and they tend to be, I'm going to, I'm going to listen first, speak later. They, they tend to be slow to give their opinion because they want to, to one, most of the time they're wanting to pray on something before they even. Yeah. The guy, you need up. to think about it. Yeah. yeah. But pray they, about it. It tends to be my friends that I have met in the past that were most loud and most obnoxious and quickest to speak tended to have the worst advice and a lot of the men <laughs> in my life now that are the slowest to speak and the and and a little more quiet and reserved are the ones that seem to be wisest which you know 
interpret that as you will. But. <laughs> interpret it as you well. I, and I think the thing about it is that every man today lives in an environment that discourages healthy male friendships, mm. right? And we see that in the data. Uh, Thirty years ago, the average male in his fifties. You know, about 60% of all males in their 50s said they could rattle off four or five friends that they spend time with every week. And now it's down to 27%. And what's interesting is that the population of single men in their 50s has skyrocketed over the last 30 years. So there's a lot of single men right. in that age group. The the you know, it's interesting how people quote divorce statistics, you know, and they, they use these surface level quotes all the time to try to prove a point, but nobody ever really goes any deeper. I've actually preached messages on this to try to go deeper and say, what exactly do the stats act say? What do they really, really say? And one of the things that's really important to understand is that the highest rate of divorce is between the fifth and seventh year when you're in your twenties. So the highest rate of divorce is among late 20 year olds. They got married between 20 and 23. Uh, they lived together. And so you have a high rate of single moms now between the ages of 27 and 35. Mm -hmm. And they're like, they're wanting to go out and date again. Trust, trust me. I'm aware of this. <laughs> There's tons of them, you know, but the difficulty is, is that they're not dating for love necessarily. They're, they're dating to try to, establish a family because single motherhood is exhausting and difficult. Mm. It really is. And, but then you have guys that, that are in that, that realm. That's the highest rate of divorce. The second highest rate of divorce is called the silver divorce. And it happens when the kids have all moved out, uh, move out when the last kid moves out and go to, goes to college is so now and and what's happened is you have families that are so much more affluent, right? Because, uh, they have more assets, both spouses have worked and if they've managed their money, well, it's almost to the point where you could kind of split that house in two and go your separate ways. And both are where your grandparents would have been at, at that age without any problem. So, right. that, you know, they could live comfortably. And so that's a real, the gray divorce is huge. And so what's happening is why am I bringing up these stats is because Men in their fifties, you know, only one out of every five men could name two or three close friends that they invest in and spend any time with. And that's just not good. It's not good for men. It's not good for families and kids and grandkids. It's definitely not good for society when, when it turns into that. So in the end, I think one of the most important things to understand is that our society is throwing in, like you said, more barriers against men. Okay. In order for you to develop these friendships that are going to help you and are necessary for living in, experiencing, discovering, walking in your full masculinity. And that's, I think, a significant point you need to consider. So are there any specific barriers that you see keeping men from developing friendships and relationships that are going to kind of these band of brotherhoods? Do you see well, I, I think ones? it's that notion, you know, the song Desperado, I think really captures it. And that is your, you know, he says your prison is riding the range all alone. Mm. And so I think our society, the specific barriers that push men into isolation is number one is our society's denigration of men and manhood and masculinity in general. Okay. Just the overarching 
you know, men are idiots and they're dumb and all they care about is one thing. Okay. So there's no sense that men are critically important. The, the biggest thing among, uh, uh, social media now and on YouTube and all these influencers is that I don't need a man. The women say, I don't need a man. You know, a, a man would be nice, but I don't need one to survive. And what that is, is that there's now a, new, a group of these men that are kind of going their own way. And they're saying, yeah, you know, you're saying this in a studio, right? You're speaking into a microphone that a man built and designed. You're using electricity that is produced by men who built the power plants and keep them running, you know, and you, you got in a car to drive to your studio that was designed, built and maintained by a man. And, and the point that they're trying to make is this, is that they're not trying to say men are better than women. That's not what they're trying to do. They're trying to say is that it's just popular to say that men are worthless when men are everything that you do in this world in America is the infrastructure, the hidden stuff. Where does your sewage go? Where does electricity come from? Where does, who fixes your car is 90% male. You know, men are doing all of these filthy jobs. You know, it's so interesting because a man will go and do a job because it pays well, right? Why does he do that? Because he wants to make money to support his family. Okay. He's doing it to do what? Support his family. Females will go do work. And, and so what he's doing is he's working to make money to support. But a lot of females work. I know this is salty, but a lot of females work in order to be independent of men. Hmm. So, so there's, a different, there's a different reason for that. Now, in marriages where both work, you can work in order to try to develop egalitarianism, which I think is a mistake is a core value that will cause so many problems. What you want to do is you, if you both work, you do it as a partnership together in order to advance your household. And right. you're, you're going to go through all different phases because if you get married and you have kids, the number one priority in your life during that period of time, when you have kids should be your kids, not giving your kids everything they want, but how do we raise really good functioning adults. Now, why is that your top priority? Because that's the thing that brings the most joy or suffering in your life, right? <laughs> is how your kids turn out. So you want to do that. You don't want to try to chase something else while you should be focusing on that. So I think the denigration of men, the denigration of men and their role in the family, like I was saying on Tuesday's podcast, is that what our world wants is men to be second moms, as opposed to being husbands and fathers, okay? One of the things that I tell couples in premarital counseling is I say the first year that you're married, this is what I want you to do. What do you, what, what do you do, Pastor? I want you to do everything together. I want you to do the laundry together. I want you to clean your apartment or your house together. I want you to feed the dog. I want you to cut the grass. I want you to change the oil in the car. I want you to change and rotate the tires in the car. I want you to mow together all the outdoor landscaping, all the inside chores. I want you to go grocery shopping. I want you to cook. I want you to do the laundry. I want you to fold the laundry. I want you to change the sheets on the bed. I want you to clean the shower. I want you to do all of that together. And they're like, why would, why would you want to do that? And I said, I say, because the reason why is down the road, what you do is you naturally start selecting, right? Like for instance, uh, Bo Jackson, one of the greatest athletes that have ever lived. He was a two sport athlete. He played professional baseball and professional football at the same time. And he was that's impressive, outstanding at both, right? 
One of the things about Bo Jackson is in his house, his wife is not allowed to cook in the kitchen. Okay. He does all the cooking. He does 100% of the shopping. While still doing and both the of cooking. these sports. Yeah. That's an, that's he, even, that might be even more well, impressive. Than I, I don't know if he other. was doing it during that time. I don't know when he got married. When he entered into the sporting world, he was single at the time. So when he got married, I don't know. But I do know that you know I was reading about his life and, and what he did after his sports. And, and he does all the cooking in his house. So what is my point in saying that? Is that you naturally select different things. I know a gal who loves to mow the grass and her husband is like, well, she loves to mow. So I let her mow. I know other women who can't start a lawnmower. They've never started a lawnmower in their life. Right. Right. And so that's fine. The thing is, is that when you do everything together, you start to realize, wow, this laundry thing is a lot more complicated, difficult, and time-consuming than I thought. And boy, this lawn mowing and changing the oil in the car is a lot more difficult and complicated than I thought. So what it does is it creates mutual respect for one another's roles. Mm. You see what it does? It creates mutual respect. And so then what happens is you start realizing, wow, this person is helping me and we're partners together. So there's things that I need my husband to do that that I, I, I don't want to do or can't do, but are a necessary role in my children's lives. Mm. But our society isn't done that. Our society has denigrated the role of fathers. Number three, the other biggest thing I think is that our society has, does everything it can to manipulate a man's sex drive. The sexual drive of a male is driven by testosterone. It's one of the most powerful drives within him. It's right up there with eating. And so I think one of the things that you have to realize is that society wants to manipulate and pervert it within a man as much as possible. And the advent of pornography plus everything else is evidence of that. And so, guys, if you want to walk in your full masculinity, you have to take those areas of your life back under your control. Right. Mm. You have to take them under your control. And you this is one thing that I, I think the biggest barrier to men is when a man cannot answer the question am I a man? He lives insecurely. And one of the things I've noticed is that when a male is insecure, a male does really bad, real poorly. Mm. When a male is secure and confident, they do really, really well. So the notion that I think research has known this for a while. And so what they've done is they've come to boys in public school system over the last 30 years. And they tell boys, you're awesome and you're a winner and the boy hasn't done anything. All right. Now girls that may work, right? It works to some degree, right? Because they're, they are community and agreement oriented, right? But when you tell a boy he's awesome, but he hasn't done anything to earn that you create insecurity, not security. What you have to do is, and that's why boys and girls for thousands of years were raised differently. But in our society today, you know what we're trying to do is we're trying androgyny. There's no difference between males and females. And if you're a, a biological girl, but you feel you're a male, then you can be a male. Mm. If you're a biological male and you feel like a girl, then you can be a girl. And guess what? You are a girl. Why? Simply because you think so. That's nuts. That's absolutely craziness. And yet that's what our society is doing and propagating, particularly as these boys are growing up. The, the most important thing is that a boy knows deep within his soul because of the way he's wired that if you praise him for doing nothing, 
He will not develop confidence, courage, or security. So that is a huge problem in our society. It's a barrier. And so I encourage, that's why men need men and boys need fathers. That is a critical component of overcoming the barriers that our society is throwing in the way of male development. So as we finish up today, Pastor, and we're finishing up today's podcast, but also this series, what are what are some hopes in your 35 years of leading in this church? What are your hopes for men and 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 what you're calling them to be as or what God's calling them to be in masculine living? It's all about fullness. You know, it's all about fullness. I, I think that, look, we live in a world that's broken, right? And there's a lot of problems out there. And if we, the first thing that we've got to do as men is realize it's our job to push evil back. Okay. Mm-hmm. And all it takes for evil to advance is for good men to do nothing. And so we, we do not want it to advance. We want to push it back. All right. There are wolves and we have to know that there are wolves. They're out there. They're coming after our children and our families. And sometimes they use politics and the government to do it. Sometimes they use education to do it. Sometimes they're just criminal elements that want to break into your house and commit violence. It doesn't matter, but we live in a world filled with evil and it has infected the hearts of other human beings. And so our goal is not to try to spiritually fix those people. It is to protect our families and our communities. That's our job. So we're to be the sheepdogs, right? Mm. We're, we're, we're to lay there calm, but boy, when the wolf comes, we are on high alert. The second thing I think is men walk in fullness when they know that they are a part of something that brings value. They're building something. They're, they're creating wealth. They're creating productivity. They're creating, they're innovating, they're designing, they're, uh, engineering, they're constructing, they're, you know, they're serving, they're doing all of these things that, that's how a man walks in the fullness, right? But I think the most important thing to understand is that none of those questions can be answered for a man until he can answer the question, who am I? And that's a question you have to ask God. You can't ask a woman. If you ask a woman, am I a man? You'll be sorely disappointed because she can't answer that question. All she knows is I know what a man is when I'm around one. Mm. If you say, Hey, beautiful woman, am I a man, right? If you try to take your question to her, you'll be sorely disappointed and you'll, she'll be hurt and you'll be hurt because she cannot answer that question for you. If you try to take that question to your work, right? You'll work yourself to death. You'll be, you'll, you'll get, you'll become a workaholic because you'll feel like any failure is your responsibility. 100%. Okay. So you'll overwork and guess what? You'll, you're never satisfied. You're never content. You can't ever turn around and look at the field you plowed and say, wow, the lines are straight. Something's growing. You see, there's no pleasure in the work. And as uh, Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, it becomes vain. You can't take your question. Am I a man to your work? You can't take the question. Am I a man to your children? Right? You can't do it because what you'll do is you will try to manipulate them to want you, to respect you, to follow your commands. You can, you can be manipulative or dictatorial and autocratic. That's not healthy. 
And so what you do is you raise kids. You remember Cat Stevens' song, you know, The Cats in the Cradle and the Silver Moon? Mm-hmm. You know, he he always was like, I'll, hey, we'll get together, son, one day. And then he, at the very end of the song, his son has no time for him, and he says he grew up just like me. Right. You know, that that's when you take it to your kids, it's not good. The, so the end thing that I want everybody to know is that if you want to be a masculine man and walk in the fullness of who you were meant to be, take your question to God, because mm-hmm. God is the one who can answer that question. And he can say in my kingdom where my will reigns supreme, not yours, you will find not only your king, but you will find your cause worth living, fighting and dying for you'll, you'll discover your non-negotiables. And as Martin Luther King says, if a man doesn't have something he will die for, then he's not fit to live. Mm. And I want men to be fit to live. I want them to be embracing everything that God has for them. And the way we get there is not by beating men up, but by explaining to them the barriers this world throws in their place so that they can finally say it's time to come in off of the range, right? It's finally time to let somebody love me. Who needs to love you? God does Mm. because he's the one who wants to answer the question. Are you a man? And in him, you will find the answer is yes. Well, thank you, Pastor, so much for sharing these thoughts and this series with us. I think it's made a huge, huge impact in all of the men who have heard it and are listening to it. And a lot of women as well. I mean, I've talked to several women who are like, I'm learning things that I did not even realize were going on with the men in my life. And I'm starting to understand so much better. So I think this series is is one for the books, Pastor. You one for the out books. of the park. And uh, we're excited to hear what Pastor Harvey has to say on Sunday as he closes out our series, Desperado. And thank you guys so much for joining us. Make sure you join us next week as we kick off our Easter series mm-hmm. right here on the Salty Pastor <laughs> Podcast. Blessings. <laughs>